Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Well, it's the beginning of a new month, and I hope that you are maybe already digging into our study for the month of March, Thou Shalt Not commit adultery but we want to finish up with our very last dig a bit on the sixth commandment thou shalt not kill and as i was looking at capital punishment i wanted to close with just a few passages about that because we looked at several arguments that are made in our society today against capital punishment and we looked at God's Word, at the response to those, at the examples of capital punishment in the Bible. But there was one new thing that I thought about as we were studying from, uh, especially from our Apologetics Press article. There's something that I'd not really ever thought about, and that's what I just want to focus on for just a minute this morning. The question about, isn't capital punishment vindictive? Isn't it retaliation? Isn't it violent? Isn't it exactly the thing for which we are punishing most of the time when capital punishment is administered? Are we not acting like the criminal himself when we administer capital punishment? Well, I just thought that noticing the biblical response to that question was something that I had not really thought about before. In so many instances in our Old Testament, even in our New Testament, we see that this oft-repeated phrase, His blood be upon Him. And that is in the case when someone has murdered someone or someone has raped someone, ending in a death usually, or even in cases of extreme and repeated rebellion against authority. When capital punishment was prescribed, often the phrase would be used, his blood be upon him. Let's look at a couple of examples of that, and then this dig a bit will be yours. Leviticus chapter 20, and as we read about um, some of the instances of capital punishment, let's start in verse 9. Leviticus 20, verse 9. Everyone who curses his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He who cursed his father or mother, his blood will be upon him. Who is it that bears the blood in that instance of capital punishment? Well, it's the one who's being executed. And we look at verse 13 again of that same chapter. And it says there, if a man lies with mankind as he lies with a woman. Whoa, this is so relevant to our society today. Both of them have committed an abomination talking about homosexuality here they shall surely be put to death their blood shall be upon them it's not the person who administers the capital punishment he's simply described in biblically as the neutral party through which god is dispensing his justice look at verse 27 of the same chapter A man also or a woman who has a familiar spirit or that's a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Well, I don't want to go through and read every single instance of that, but it's not just in the book of Leviticus. In Deuteronomy 19 verse 10, 
Ezekiel 18, 13, and also Ezekiel 33, 35 are just some examples of where the, the scripture says his blood be upon him. We actually have it worded his blood be upon his own head. We find that in Joshua chapter 2 verse 19, in 2 Samuel 1 verse 16, in Ezekiel 33 verse 4, and also the New Testament passage, Acts 18 verse 6. Let's look at that one really quickly. In Acts chapter 18, we're reading about Paul in Ephesus, and it says he, after he left Athens, he came to Corinth, and he finds this Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And then he goes on and says that with them he built tents and he was reasoning in the synagogue. So we're definitely in um, a New Testament Greek situation here. When Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his clothing, his raiment, and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go to the Gentiles. As we conclude thinking about this, I wanted us to think about Romans chapter 12. And I often use Romans chapter 12 when I'm talking about how that we should treat even our enemies. And it is with kindness. It is as one of the verses in the very latter part of this chapter says it is that when we do good to those who mistreat us we heap coals of fire on their heads and as we read Romans 12 the bottom of that chapter sometimes we might be tempted to think but how could anyone who's read Romans 12 put someone to death um, well the answer is is even in this context in verse 19 it says dearly beloved Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Well, how does God repay? How does He execute judgment and get vengeance on those who have continued in rebellion and just uh, made up their minds that they're not going to be submissive to authority, God's authority or authority in society. How is it that God gets that vengeance? Well, it moves right on. We're talking about verse 19 of Romans chapter 13, and we move just two verses down. Remember the chapter divisions were inserted by men and we just moved two verses down to chapter 13 verse 1 and it says let every soul be subject to the higher powers for there is no power but of God the powers that be are ordained of God whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinance of God and they who resist shall receive Mm, to themselves damnation or judgment okay so who is it that is resisting the power it's the criminal where does the power come from who is it that puts the the power in government it is ordained of God verse 1 verse 3 for rulers are not a terror to good works but to the evil 
Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you will have praise of the same. You don't have to be afraid of capital punishment, because if you do that which is good, the governmental authorities ordained of God, his ministers of judgment, will be on your team. Verse 4, For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if you do that which is evil, be afraid. Listen to this. For he bears not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that that does evil. So that's a real important verse there. The sword is an instrument of capital punishment. And who is using it? For he is the minister of God, the person who is actually uh, using the sword, or in our case, it would be pushing the button on the electric chair. Whoever is doing that is just the minister of God to thee for good. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him who does evil. So we have it pretty clearly spelled out right after the verses about how we're to treat our enemies with kindness. If our enemies are hungering, feed them, heaping coals of fire on their heads, recompense to no man evil for evil. But yet again, it says God is in charge of the vengeance department. And those who would administer his vengeance upon the criminal those are ministers of God. They are simply those who are dispensing the justice of God. When we put Romans 12 and 13 together with all those Old Testament passages that we just pointed out, then we see that the blood, the guilt of a death in the case of capital punishment is on the head of the criminal himself, the one who is being executed. The way that the AP article wound up this point, the criminal is simply receiving what he brought upon himself, his just deserts. The expression, his blood be upon him, indicates that God assigns responsibility for the execution to the one being executed. It's like we tell small children, if you put your hand in the fire, you're gonna get burned. There are consequences to our actions. If we don't want to be executed, we should not commit any act that merits death. And if we do commit such an act, we've earned the death penalty and we deserve to get what we've earned. The duly constituted judges, juries, and other legal authorities who mete out the punishment are not to be blamed or considered responsible for the execution of the guilty. That was just one very interesting part of the study to me. I hope that it's interesting to you too. It's convicting from if when we take those Old Testament passages and put them together with Romans 12 and 13. I hope that you're having a good week. I hope that as you begin our next study, you're full of enthusiasm for it and that we will learn much from it. Have a great day.